0: What's going on? Welcome back to Catching Carbon episode two. Jeff Holyoke, Luke Lana, and we are going to dive in today to why am I experiencing shortages of CO2? That's the big question right now. People are trying to understand and we want to kind of lay out the explanation. To really understand that question at its core, we need to know where does our CO2 come from uh, here in the United States and break down Why have we not been proactively capturing CO2 from additional sources? And so we wanna get straight into that. What makes us different from other parts of the world? Why has this not been an issue? Why is it now an issue? And why do we see it perpetuating into the future?
1: Yeah. You nailed it, hit it right on the head there. That is the underlying theme of all of this is here in the U.S. we have had an abundant supply of of, uh, CO2 or sources of CO2 that come out very clean. So therefore it's cheap. So CO2 is a very abundant, cheap gas up until about now. Uh, so, let's talk about that. There's, there's four major sources of CO2 in this country, and this chair is extremely squeaky, so I apologize. you got to sit still. you got the nervous tick. Yeah, he's, <laughs> not, just he's, he's camera shy. Give him a break. Now he's grooving Goodness, on the camera. We agree. Anyway, four sources of CO2 in this country. First being uh, ammonia production. That's a high user of burns natural gas to produce the ammonia and the nitrates. Uh, but you get an abundant amount of very clean CO2 that comes out of that. That makes up roughly 25% of our CO2 supply in this country. Uh, uh, ethanol production, corn, corn belt, our Midwest, we produce. You know, we are the, the breadbasket of the world. We have an abundant amount of grain, we have an abundant amount of corn production here in this country, abundant amount of ethanol that we mix in with our fuels and our gasoline. Um, so that makes up about another 25%. Another 25%, we have two very large geological domes in the southwest and the southeast. Those geological domes uh, are, are filled with abundant supply of very clean, pure CO2. Um, and uh, we've been pulling off those domes for decades now. And the other 25 that's about another 25%. And the last 25% is, is alternative sources, uh, synthetic gases, thin gas, uh, biogas, uh, coming off of landfills, uh, cow manure, or other sources like that. So that's another 25%. So as I noted there, most of that, 75% of our CO2 is already very clean. So very limited upfront purification. So as it's coming out, it's roughly 98% CO2. Uh, whereas if you're pulling off of, say, natural gas burning or or uh, in SMR and hydrogen production, things like that, you, you have a, a 10 to 12% purity level of that CO2. So you have a lot more cleaning that has to go on. The rest of the world's having to experience that. We don't. We have very cheap CO2. Right, and a lot of your operating expenses
0: in the energy it takes to clean CO2 from a less pure um, you know composition to that what we call industrial food beverage grade. And so when you're at 98% and you need to get to 999 9, It doesn't take all that much past liquefaction, turning the the vapor into a liquid. But when you're at 10%, when you're at, you know, 0.2, 0.4% in direct air capture, very energy intensive process. And as a result, you have CO2 that's not competitive with market pricing. Uh, And so that's why traditionally we've really focused on the four big sources. But Jeff, why don't you unpack for us why we see these sources kind of tightening up, you know, each one kind of has its own contribution and it feels like the perfect storm right now where we're starting to feel restriction uh, throughout all of these sources.
1: Nope, absolutely dead on. You know, uh, we just say, well, we get all this cheap CO2, then why are you out? Um, that's a great question. Why am I getting a force majeure every other day? Why is my price being escalated in, in multiples of X of three, four, or five times? Um, you know, so, uh, and the reason being is, like you said, it is a little bit of that perfect storm. So go back to ammonia production. Every year, ammonia plants shut down after the harvest at this time of year, end of summer. Um, and when natural gas prices are high or demand for CO2 is low, they generally shut down for longer than two weeks for, for uh, these plant shutdowns and, and preventive maintenance. So natural gas is a, one of the largest components of production of, of ammonia, therefore the largest cost. We all know what the natural gas prices are doing. We'll touch here a little bit in, in, in future uh, episodes on you know how the... The European, the Russian impact of that natural gas are exporting that. You know, natural gas prices are very high and they're here to stay for a long time. So the, so those shutdowns on ammonia plants, very impactful. Ethanol, mm-hmm. well, especially during the COVID in the last two years, what didn't we do in the early stages of COVID? We didn't drive, we didn't fly, we didn't do a lot of things. We actually at some point in 2020, late 2020, early 2021, I believe, had the largest surplus supply Uh, of ethanol in storage uh, in history. And actually, I just saw a statistic that we are... Kind of
0: back to those levels in terms of usage driving right now with the inflationary environment, people are staying home. Uh, we did just see that come out very equal to peak COVID,
1: which is I mean it's
0: crazy to think about. So yep.
1: so yeah, so we're starting to get there. That supply is coming back, but it's still again we had a whole you know rat in the snake glut supply of it to get through. Uh, and they're back they're back to, to you know general production, but electric vehicles, hydrogen, you know any kind of EV. Uh, is is, it's going to impact the demand on ethanol long term. And so uh, between the U.S. and Brazil, I think the number is somewhere like 80% of the world supply of ethanol comes from that. Um, and then the geological domes that's the third major impact in this perfect storm so we've been pulling off these domes as we noted for decades Uh, but they there's multiple wells i think the number somewhere like 5,000 individual wells that make up what we call these domes Uh, and as one gets low we got to convert over to the another one and where they're pulling off of now the purity level and is is much lower so not only is the purity level lower so so a plant that's doing 800 tons per day is now producing 600 tons per day so we've lost 25 percent of the volume off that plant and the reason being is because it's clogging the filtration systems it's taking longer to produce Uh, and on top of that it still isn't we're not set up to purify uh, some of the, the, the benzenes and oxygen levels and things like that off of these domes so so the, the capacity has been constrained off of pre-existing dome supply. On top of that, we went, we'll talk about this huh. in another episode, but I know contamination, yeah. purity levels. If you have uh, filtration and you went from changing your filters out every six months to every three weeks, yeah. it, you know, again, as we talked about early in the first episode, it is an ingredient, and, and uh, we're getting contaminated CO2 throughout the supply chain right now.
0: Yeah, and just take a minute at home to think that through. We're talking about pulling out of naturally occurring domes. While legislation is pushing to sequester CO2, so we're putting it into the ground and we're pulling it right back out. How long is that really going to last? So not only is there a lack of purity, but how long until we say these domes are closed up? I mean, this is going exactly against everything that we're pushing for for sequestration.
1: We're not putting it into the ground. We're we're not we're not we're, we're paying people to put it into the ground. There we go. We're paying <laughs> it and then we pull it back out. And nothing against the domes. It's been a great supply for us for a long time. But as as you just said, as we're pulling it off, and we'll talk about forty five Q in in much greater detail in, in upcoming episodes uh, because that's going to impact you. So let's talk about this. So this is great. Now you know why you're short. Well, that's not the whole point of this this uh, podcast and what we're here to talk about. Ultimately, it's like how does that help me? Right. All you just told me is I'm screwed and I'm going to remain to be screwed. Doom and gloom. And, uh, we're just coming at you with the doom and gloom. Yeah. And we're here to tell you for the next three months, we're all kind of screwed and hey, we're in the manufacturing business ourselves and we are on a zero percent allocation of CO2. Uh, we're all living hand to mouth of these supplies. So how does that help me? Uh, what are you guys doing about it? And uh, what's the name of our podcast? Catching Carbon. Catching Carbon. We're Catching Carbon. So there is alternative sources, they are a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. but there's alternative sources of supply and we already talked about that syngas, the, the uh, uh, biogas, uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know, capturing off of landfills, capturing right. off of uh, cow manure, things of that nature, there are other green initiatives that ultimately will capture CO2, take that out. Because we we all are very fearful that the the grand supply of CO two off of those other sources that we talked about uh, are are going to go away not today not tomorrow but in the next five to ten years right uh, there's all sorts of technology and and. Uh, development in ammonia production for much greener production of ammonia as well as the grand reduction of, of, uh, of ammonia. Go look at the, the Netherlands, which is a large producer of ammonia. They're trying to eliminate the use of ammonia for a fertilizer altogether. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, you're going to see a grand shift. Continue to stay tuned to our future conversations of what, how do we help you. And with, with the shift, Jeff alluded to this in the pilot
0: episode, but there will be what we anticipate being a permanent shift in pricing. And so Absolutely. as noted, it, it takes more energy. There, There's higher expenses to produce that pure CO2. We do believe that CO2 is not going to be that down and dirty cheap gas historically it has been. We see it in Europe. We can touch on Europe a little bit. We're going to see it here. But the good news is we come out of the storm with abundance of supply. And that's, that's what it's all about right now is how do we get the CO2 to accomplish What we, for us, the manufacturing piece for our our food and beverage, carbonation, freezing a product, I mean, we we have to have CO2. And so we may not see CO2 at the prices we have historically, but we certainly can make sure that we're supplying CO2. Yeah,
1: so the last topic I think we'll cover is, what I like to say is, this isn't new. This isn't new technology, Um, capturing off of natural gas, capturing off of landfills, capturing off of methane production. None of that is new. We don't talk about it here in the U.S. We don't even really have an infrastructure for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're helping build that infrastructure. Yeah, it feels taboo right now. It does, but in the because we had a cheap supply of of, of uh, CO two. Right. Europe does not. They don't have they don't have ethanol. They they have you know outlawed and banned a lot of uh, the the ammonia production in itself. Like I said, the Netherlands is a large producer of that, but the rest of Europe doesn't do that. And They also have. All of the huge carbon taxes and and uh, carbon trade and, and limitations that we just don't have here in the u.s so even when you are producing those things it's a negative connotation you're being penalized to do it understandably so the technology exists to capture off of all these other sources and we're working to identify the most voluminous and cost effective way to do that and right. we believe natural gas burners is an absolute first step on that uh natural gas burning if you have a boiler and you're burning natural gas um you know you can capture that co2 if you actually use co2 and you burn natural gas that's uh, that's the you know the the grand flush yep. right there
0: for, for every one million btus burned you're producing about 117 pounds of co2 you can go home and fact check me uh but but that is the statistic and so can't do that math. Yeah, it's. It sounds like a lot. I am a math whiz. That's, that's my thing. With the numbers it's guy. Expanding. No, so, uh, but but it's crazy. I mean, there's an abundance of CO2 being produced, and we see that as the first opportunity to go and start
1: creating self sufficiency on your own CO2 supply. Absolutely. So we call it security of supply. And you know, as we noted early on, and we'll talk about all the time in this episodes uh, in this podcast, is you know, we are not focused on the pathway to green, um, and then you know, uh, net zero, but. Think about that. We're capturing all these other CO two sources, and those are the large, abundant producers of CO two ethanols mm-hmm. and right. methanes, and power power generation and even the hydrogen production through SMR produces a tremendous amount of hydrogen, I'm sorry, of CO two, and that is gonna get sequestered under forty five Q. So that's being taken out of the environment. So now we actually do have a green initiative of capturing all the other sources and then reusing that in our current retail it's, supply. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. It absolutely. So, so we
0: we can sit here and absolutely say we have to make the business case, and that's what we're going to do. But the byproduct of that is decarbonization, uh, exciting for us to be a part of. But also, you know, we're focused on making your business operate and function. It's got a pencil.
1: It got to be in the black before we're in the green. We said it in the pilot the episode. We'll be- say. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, the economics of CO two has changed dramatically, and will continue to change. So, uh, where as we've been saying, you know, we, we're we're accustomed to low cost, cheap CO two in this country. Now we're we're going to progress to a little bit more expensive. However. What's more important, saving a penny per pound, you know, paying five and a half cents instead of six and a half cents? That's not your ROI. The economics has absolutely changed. If your plant is shut down for one shift, Mm -hmm. one day, five days, what's the absolute cost of that? So it's no longer the cost of the CO2 that you should be doing your ROI assessment on, it is the operational cost, the opportunity cost of not having that. So as, as we've been talking about, um, you know, it's all about the security of supply. We will continue to expand and explore opportunities to do that for your business, for your operations.
0: Yeah, really excited about that. We're going to keep bringing you content, help you understand and educate, you know, where, where do I navigate? Where do I go? What, what is my opportunity to weather the storm? And we're going to dive deeper in episode three. So thank you guys so much for coming. We'll see you then. Until next time, Catching Carbon.